Listen at your own discretion as the following content contains strong language, adult dialogue, discussions of violence, and spoilers. Cue the intro. Hello, fellow readers, and welcome to Three Reads in a Pod. My name is Sarah. I'm Delia. And I'm Heather. If you're interested in a trio of ladies that get together and record our book club for the masses, then stick around. This episode of Three Reads will be discussing the Golden Compass, uh, part of his Dark Material trilogy series by Philip Pullman. Did I say that right? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, good. Thank you. If you want to read a long... Oh, wait. If you want to read along, we post a book and book bite of the month on our Instagram, three reads in a pod. That's the number three reads in a pod. Without further ado, it's time to turn the page. I thought you were going to say, if you want to read a long ass story, then read this one. Heather's pick. <laughs> you know what's funny is Seriously. I'm pretty sure that like the longer you go without reading the intro, the more you like stumble on along. Because yeah, I was like, we did it the last to read, we recorded too. <laughs> you were you like, want to a read along, 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 like a long. The Golden cool. Compass, part of the His Dark Material trilogy, Philip Pullman. That's what I said, right? Yeah, did I you say got, that. You got it. You're Thank good. you. Cool. Thanks. All right, Heather, hit us with the background. Sweet. Um, so this was written by Philip Pullman, as we've already discussed. Sir Philip Pullman, he was knighted in 2019, just so you know, uh, was born October 19th, 1946 in Norwich, England, and relevant to the story, um, his alma mater is Oxford, which is where a lot of this takes place, so that was really cute. Well, not a lot of it, but some of it. Um, He's written several books, but His Dark Materials is the trilogy that is most well known. The Golden Compass itself won the Carnegie Medal and the Amber Spyglass, which is the third in the series won the Whitbread Prize for Best Children's Book in 2001 and the Ripbread Book of the Year Prize in 2002. Uh, he is a known atheist and said, if God is as the Christians describe, then he deserves to be rebelled against. So something like that. I was like, oh, snap. Uh, you can even actually see this in this particular trilogy. And so I'll talk about the summary in a minute, but Lyra begins the book in a wardrobe and it is a foil to the Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So heads up there. And I then I actually have a, yeah, I actually have a personal story about this book related to the background. So it was a movie. I, I meant to look up what year, but it had to be like 2008. It's been a while. Yeah, it was in the 2000s. I remember going to the theaters and watching it. Don't remember a damn thing about it, but. Well, my brother and I went and watched it. He had just got his license, so. He wanted to, we wanted to go out together and see a movie. We went and saw this movie. It was, you know, very fantasy, very our speed. We were so excited. We came home. We told my mom and she was like, it's the devil. (laughs) She didn't literally say that. (laughs) She was very much like, oh my gosh, no, that was written by an atheist. It's about a war on God. I was like, mom, no, it's not. (laughs) And if you watch the movie, it's, it's very non-religious at most. For years, I was like, the magisterium is the church. That's as close as I could get to. This is a war on God. And then you read this book, spoilers, everyone. And the last chapter, he's like, so I'm going to fight God. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I mentioned so- the church a lot in this book, too. 
Yes, you get a lot more. You get a lot more of it in the book, um, and I'm actually currently reading the third because I just kept listening on through. And uh, yeah, it just keeps being a war on God. So <laughs> huge apology. This is my formal apology to my mother because I did not believe her. Because when you watch the movie, you're like, no. And even if you watch the show, which I'm also watching, I'm on season two of His Dark Materials on HBO. It's also still less anti-God, anti-Christian. Definitely like, hey, the church is pretty corrupt. I get it. But to uh, this is this is my formal apology to my mother because when she said this book was a war on God, she wasn't wrong, but I didn't believe her. <laughs> and so, yeah. if you guys are ready, keep going. I'll move on to the summary. Do do do, and it is a long one, so I'll go quickly as I can, and then we can get into the meat and potatoes. Can you make sure that you pronounce every character's name so I know how to not fuck up later? Okay, thanks. I, yes, I will tell you how they said it on the audiobook. <laughs> it's really good. Um, they're a lot of fun to say. Jacqueline was actually like, hey, can you just stop repeating the names? Because I would just be like brushing my teeth. I'm like, Yorick Bannison. <laughs> just keep going. Or I'd be in the shower. I'm like, Serafina Pecola. <laughs> She was like, I'm really concerned. Please stop. And I did. So don't take that on me. All right. Oh, gosh. Um, so the Golden Compass. I would like to preface this with a few things. This story takes place in a different world. This world is similar to ours in a lot of ways, but also has subtle and not so subtle differences. One example is that human souls take the form of an animal known as a daemon. No, demon. In the movie, it's pronounced daemon. But in the show and in the audiobook, it's pronounced demon. That is purposeful. We'll talk about it later. Or I think it's purposeful. Um, so I just have the habit of calling it daemon, but it is demon. And it's spelled D-A-E-M-O-N. It's not even really an A-E. It's that there's a word for the symbol. Like that classic look if you like look at um, different books and stuff from a different era where they talk about demons. It's spelled that weird way. There you go. So a child's demon can change to different animal forms. But once they hit puberty, they settle in on a single animal form. Demons cannot go too far physically from their humans. Unless it's a witch's demon, then they can go farther away. They can talk. They often mimic the emotions of their human. If you kill a human or their demon, then the other will die. They feel each other's pain, and it is a big taboo to touch another's demon. So into the meat and taters. The movie begins... Wrong. The book begins with the main character, Lyra Balacqua, and her demon, Pantalimon, who she calls Pan. They live at Jordan College, which is part of the Oxford in England. Lyra is a bit mischievous and makes her way into a forbidden, well, it's forbidden to her, retiring room. And they're preparing for this big meeting. When Lyra catches the master of Jordan College attempting to poison her uncle, Lord Asriel, she tells Lord Asriel, and he avoids the assassination attempt. He allows for Lyra to stay hidden and listen to the meeting in a wardrobe. In this meeting, Lord Asriel explains that he's been to the north, and there's a man named Dr. Grumman who is dead. He reveals this dead man's head. Fun fact. He also shows special pictures depicting a mysterious particle known as dust that settles on humans and can be seen in the Aurora Borealis. Also in the Aurora Borealis, there's an entire other world that can be seen, which is like, Everyone's like, and there's also a lot of about the fact that he mentions dust. So a little taboo. This leads to a vote that gives Lord Azrael money from the masters and the scholars to explore the North and this dust. Lord Lord Azrael leaves for his expedition and Lyra wants to join him, but he declines. 
Lyra has several playmates around the college. Her best friend is Roger, Roger Parslow, and he's a kitchen boy at the college. Amongst the children that are playing, there is a rumor of people called gobblers that are taking children. And what starts as a rumor becomes a reality as more and more children go missing. Roger and Egyptian boy Billy Costa are amongst these who go missing. About this time, a clever, beautiful woman named Mrs. Coulter visits Lyra at Jordan College. They immediately hit it off, and Lyra goes to live with her and become her assistant, quote-unquote. Before leaving, Lyra is secretly given an alethiometer, which I have to say like that, and is another word I say very frequently. But she is given the alethiometer, or a truth meter, from the master of Jordan College. It looks like a golden compass, and it has 36 symbols around its face. Super fun fact, the book in North America is called The Golden Compass, but elsewhere it was called The Northern Lights. That's so, an odd one. Nice. Like the Philosopher's Stone and the Sorcerer's Stone, are, there's like one change there, but like yeah. that's Straight a whole different whole title. That's a whole title change, yeah. Yeah. So pretty interesting. And I wonder if it's because the other two books are called The Subtle Knife and The Amber Spyglass. If they wanted a here's an adjective, here's a noun name so that it matched better. But I mean, Northern Lights, technically also an adjective and a noun. Well, I, <laughs> I think don't know. that if it's his dark materials, then the materials are like tools, right? So there's a knife and a spyglass, okay. and here's like a compass, it. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That just makes more sense to me, but I'm not that, Sir Philip Pullman, right. so. All right. Sorry about that. So Lyra enjoys her time with Mrs. Coulter initially. She gets nice clothes, she learns new things, she attends parties, she's learning about the Magisterium, which is like the church in this world, and they're more involved uh, politically, and they're very much a part of the culture of this world. However, Mrs. Coulter turns to turns out to be not as nice as Lyra originally thought, and not to mention that Mrs. Coulter's demon is spying on Lyra and Pan, and he's a nasty little bastard. Like, we do not like him. We do not stand her monkey. He's a golden monkey mother. And they, Lyra, Lyra believes that the monkey knows about the alethiometer. At a party, Lyra hears a conversation about dust and pretends to know about it. This leads to the revelation that the board Mrs. Coulter is part of through the Magisterium, the General Oblation Board, is where the G.O.B. gobblers come from, and they are the ones who have been stealing children. Lyra then escapes and is found by the Egyptian people. And Egyptians are like, gypsies in this world they they go around they live on the sea they don't stay in one place now while mrs coulter sends for search parties all over london in an attempt to find lyra lyra stays hidden amongst the gyptians and at the roping or meeting of all the gyptians she meets their leader john faw as well as farter quorum who is a pleasant wise older gyptian after some debate, it is decided at this meeting that they'll have a team to move north to help the children who have been taken by the gobblers, even, they do, even though they do not yet know the fate of these children. It's about this time that Lyra learns she is the illegitimate child of Lord Azrael and Mrs. Coulter, which is a huge reveal in the book. Um, and they know this, it's confirmed by Billy Costa's mom, Ma Costa, who was her wet nurse. So, y'all think about that. Some Egyptian boys go on a deadly recon mission and learn where the gobblers are taking children, and that a man named Boril is helping Miss, Mrs. Coulter. Lyra actually met with this man at one of the parties. It may have been the one she discussed dust with. I forgot that fact. Uh, during this time, Lyra begins to start reading the Alethiometa by placing the dials to three symbols and then interpreting the symbols that the golden compass shows her in return. 
With this skill, Lyra is invited to join the party that moves north. And keep in mind that the Alethiomata can only be read by people who have been studying it for years. There's books. Every symbol has multiple meanings. It is not an easy thing to do. But it's strange that Lyla's just, or Lyra is just able to do it. So then, Fartacorum takes Lyra to Dr. Now this one I don't really know. Lanzelius. Sure. And he's a representative of the witches in the northern area, Lapland, where children are being taken. She uses the alethiomata to prove her value. Uh, and then the doctor tells them of an armored bear who can help them and indicates that Lyra will play an important role to many people's destinies. The witches have a prophecy regarding Lyra and her importance in the coming time. While in this town, the Egyptians hire Lee Scoresby, who's an aeronaut, basically he flies a hot air balloon, to assist in their mission. Lyra aids the armored bear, Yorick Bernison, in obtaining his armor, and he lives his, leaves his drunken life to help Lyra on her quest north. You learn that Yorick has been exiled from Svalbard for murdering another bear. Upon traveling north, the Alethiomata leads Lyra to a town where she thinks she can't really understand what it's trying to tell her, and she's reading the word ghost. And this ghost is actually a child named Tony who is a severed child. Now, a severed child is a child who has their demon cut from them. And this reveals what the goblins are doing for doing to children. They're cutting away their demons. And ultimately, Tony dies. The group is aware of just how sinister the gobblers are and their plans are. It is unthinkable to have a person without a demon and is very disturbing to everyone who meets Tony. As the group continues to travel, they are attacked by Tartars, which is a group of individuals who are very dangerous. They're very genocidal. They work for the gobblers. Like, not good people. Lara is taken to a place called Bolvanger. Here, she and Pan are measured. Stay, they stay with several other children. Um, she quickly learns this is where the gobblers have been taking all the children. She gives a fake name and even sees Roger and Billy. And then during a chaotic fire drill, she releases several demons who have been cut from their children because she finds them in their cages and she makes a plan of escape. She meets with the demon of Seraphina Pecola, who is the witch, and the goose, who is her demon, can fly. You learn at this point they can fly super far away from their humans and she knows that rescue is on the way. Roger tells Lyra about a potential hiding spot, and when she explores it, she's captured. Someone even touches Pan. Like, they grab her demon, which is, like, oh, oh my gosh. Everyone, I, I was very upset when I read the that. The knowest of the no-nos. Yeah, it is, it is the tabooiest of taboos in this world. So that's just how desperate they were. And then they attempt to place Lyra in this machine that has a mysterious blade that comes down and will literally sever her from Pan, making her a severed child. But just in time, Mrs. Coulter comes in, realizes what they're doing, and she was like, I don't want my baby girl to go through that and be a severed child. So she stops them and attempts to comfort Lyra. At this point, Lyra outsmarts Mrs. Coulter by releasing a spy beetle that Mrs. Coulter had attempted to track Lyra with. Lyra escapes, pulls the fire alarm, and leads the children towards the Egyptians, who Lyra knows are coming. Lyra unites the children with the Egyptians, and after a long battle between the Egyptians, the Tartars, the Goblins, Yorick, Lee Scoresby, and Mrs. Coulter, the children escape. Lee rescues Lyra, Roger, and Yorick, and they set off in a hot air, hot air balloon towards Svalbard. Svalbard is a real place, by the way. There's a lady on TikTok. She lives there. She starts all of her TikToks with, Hello, my name is Cecilia, and I live in Svalbard. So, fun fact. Now, on the ride up, Lyra meets Serafina Pecola, the witch, who was once in love with Farder Corum, you find out and even had his child. Lee and Serafina talk a little more of Lyra and her fae while the children sleep. 
While headed to Svalbard, the balloon is attacked by cliff ghasts, which are flying monsters that live in the north, and the balloon crashes and everyone is separated. Lyra and Pan are separated by the group, only to be found by another armored bear. They are brought to be prisoners in, to the current bear king, Jofer Ragnason. Jofa Ragnason. While being held prisoner, Lyra puts together the fact that she has heard of this king and knows that he wants to be human and have a demon. She learned that when she was in the retiring room at the beginning of the book. Okay, he also played a role in having Yorick, who is the rightful prince. He had a role in having Yorick exiled. Lyra uses this information to trick Yofer into thinking that she is the demon of Yorick and that if Yofer can obtain her, he can obtain her by killing Yorick in single combat. Yorick and Yofer fight, and Yorick wins in single combat, which makes him the king of the bears. He renames Lyra, Lyra Silvertongue. Lyra then goes to meet her dad. And when he sees her, he, when he first sees her, he is so upset. He's like, I didn't send for you. Why are you here? But then he sees Roger and he's like, oh, we're good. Well, come on in. Hey, Thorold, my manservant. Let's get these babies a bath. You know, all the good things. Now, after the children are fed and bathed, Lyra talks to Lord Asriel. And the conversation turns to the subject of dust and shit goes down. Lord Asriel explains that dust is a physical reminiscence of original sin and even quotes the Bible, which includes the story of Adam and Eve. Fun fact, their version, Adam and Eve, has demons. <laughs> dust makes the alethiometer work. Dust settles on adults and not children because it is sin. But the magisterium thinks that cutting children away from their demons means that they will not be subject to sin. So that's why they're doing this, even though it's horrible. Lord Azrael reveals that he knows there is a huge release of energy when children are cut from their demons, and if that can be harnessed, then they can open connections to other worlds. That night, Lyra awakens to learn that Lord Azrael has kidnapped Roger and is headed to a mountaintop with special equipment to sever Roger from his demon. Once Yorick helps Lyra to the mountaintop, Yorick and Lyra are separated, and then she fights Azrael for Roger. And in the end, Azrael manages to cut Roger's demon away, and Roger dies in the process. However, this opens a bridge to other worlds. Lyra sees Mrs. Coulter embrace Lord Asriel. They share some passionate exchanges. Really interesting to read how when two people are having a passionate exchange, the way that their demons are acting with each other, it almost makes me uncomfortable. It's like I've never seen a monkey caress a snow leopard. Really weird. Lord Asriel wants her to join him, but she states that she can't. And after some kissing, they go separate ways. Lyra gives L Roger's head. Lyra gives... Roger's head, a kiss, and then she walks into the sky with Pantalaimon into another world. And that is how this book ends. Jeez, that took forever. That did. Did you talk about Roger being, like, kidnapped by the gobblers in the beginning of the book? And that's mm -hmm. why. Yes. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I was, like, half paying attention. My cat is somehow in my craft room, even though I shut her out and shut the door, and now she's in here. So, okay, cool. Just making sure. Awesome. Yes. So, with all that yummy information. Initial thoughts initial thoughts i mean i liked it i liked the book a lot um i read it on a plane um after i left you guys and i almost finished it then and it was like a two-hour plane ride so it was a really quick read it was very riveting i was entertained the entire time there wasn't really a point where i was just like oh my god get this over with i was very much engaged um so i liked it good pick heather thank you I also liked it. Um, it was much different than I thought it was going to be. Because in my head, I thought it was much more of like a children's type book. Not that it's not, but it was very, like you said, it has a lot of these um, 
deeper meanings, I think, to it, too. And, of course, like, I think Kid Me, if I had read this and imagined the gobblers the way that I was imagining them in the beginning before you find out what they are, I would have been scared. So, I really, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Quick anecdote. Um, so, my mom used to tell us that we didn't have a boogeyman growing up. <clears throat> we had the gollywaffle. Oh. Don't ask mm-hmm. me, man. I just know that's what it was called. And Golly Waffle lived in the basement, so we weren't supposed to go down the stairs. And that was her way of keeping us out of the stairs, which, I mean, is kind of terrifying. Um, but, <laughs> but effective. But effective, but very effective. But the, the Golly Waffle and the Gobblers really just kind of sounded, I think it's the gaw, and, you know, sounded really similar to me. So that was in my head what I was picturing. So super great. <laughs> also Boogeyman. Vibes. Yeah. The Gobbler. The Gobblers. But really just um, like people that suck. Yeah. They're just the worst. Which I, I think as adults though, it's one of those things where I'm sorry. As adults though, I think in my head, like, sure none of the monsters that I re- like was scared of as a child could ever compare to like the monsters that exist in the human soul right now, like in, in people sometimes. That's one of my favorite things about Scooby Doo is that you often learn that there are no real monsters. It's just people who suck. <laughs> Yeah, there's just people who suck. Exactly. All right, sorry. Go ahead, Heather. You're good. So my initial thoughts. I love fantasy. I love... This is also very science-y. There's a lot of science mm-hmm. thing, things that go down. Um, so I really love a lot of that. I think Lyra is... Yeah, Lyra's really great. If she was a D&D character, her charisma would be through the roof. She talks herself <laughs> in and out of so many things. It is really, oh, yeah. really impressive. Uh, which makes sense because think about her parents who are also very charismatic and mm-hmm. Mrs. Coulter, everyone just loves her right off the bat. So I just love it. I love all the names. I don't know where he came up with these names, but they are just so fun to say. Yeah. Serafina Pecola is one of the greatest names in this day and age. <laughs> I think it's so much fun. I do like uh, Serafina. That's a pretty name. Yeah, Serafina. And I will also say that I don't even think I mentioned this in the summary, but Lord Azriel says... I think that dust leads to the authority, which is their word for God. And he's like, I'm going to go kill him. And I'm like, my mom was right. So to have, and I've started this book several times. I watched the movie several times. We and Cody and I loved it growing up. So what an interesting, large piece of plot to not include in that movie. Mm-hmm. And as you continue to read the books, he just keeps going to kill gods. So. Okay, cool. Good to know. We should do bonus yes. episodes because I'm 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 gonna end up reading the second one because of the way that this ended. Um, yeah, I really like it. You you get introduced to a, a new character who's a main character who's really really great. Oh, cool. So. Okay, so sounds like that's a bonus episode for later, <laughs> potentially. Yes. I don't want to make any promises, listeners. <laughs> this is not a promise. This I don't believe in camp. Promise. I don't believe in campaign promises. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> Sarah. Mm-hmm. Did you say? Oh, I, yeah, I already said mine. Not paying attention. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm not here today. So. Okay, that's okay. Awesome. Yeah. I thought, can I just say real quick, I liked the dynamic between Lyra and Roger. 
it very much mm-hmm. reminded me of like two separate situations. The first one I can't remember, but the the second one was uh, Ever After. Do you guys remember that movie with Drew Barrymore? Never oh, watched yes, it. I've never, never watched that it. That is a problem, it's Heather. It is so good. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> it is so good. But the uh, okay, so Sarah, um, um, I'm not talking to you, Heather. <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. I'll talk to you in a second. My, I remembered my second thing that it reminded me of but do you remember how drew is with her uh the guy who is like the artist who wants to meet da vinci yeah and how yes. she like, they, they like she thrashes him in the mud at the beginning yeah. of the movie <laughs> she's supposed to be all dressed up like a little princess and she just gets mud all over her because she like <laughs> is that, playing with yes. her guy friend yeah and getting dirty and and stuff that's what that reminds me of significantly yeah and then the other one was um Liesl Memminger and uh, Rudy. Liesl. Oh, God. Liesl. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then my boy. If you watch the show, His Dark Materials, the the, the actor, the actor, the actress that plays Lyra and the actor that plays Roger, they are so sweet. I would strongly believe that they know each other and love each other. They just hug a lot and they're very, Aww. like, sweetly physical and always just there for each other. And it is so precious. It's To me, it's even more precious in the show than it is the book. The Aww. book, I don't think they hug that much. But in the show, they just, when they finally get reunited, there's just so much hugging and love for each other. And it is really <laughs> precious. Uh, listeners, that was a reference to the book Thief, in case you wanted to know. And if you haven't read that book um, and you're depressed, don't read it. Uh, wait till you're not depressed and then read it. Be in a good place. And then feel free to DM us on the Instagram because we have a lot to talk about. A lot. Um, I love that book. I love that book. The movie sucked. But that's something else. Let's not talk about that. We're talking about this. So I'm excited to watch the show. I said, like, I don't remember who, I don't remember a lot of the book or the movie. Not not the book. I just read the book. I don't remember a lot of the the movie. I just remember like it's Nicole Kidman as Mrs. Coulter, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she she's good. I like her. But I remembered her gold her her golden monkey, and the polar bear, and that's all that Kidney can remember. <laughs> that's it. Oh, let's talk about demons. Let's talk about demons. That's I. Cool. I love that in the book. I love how there's one of two things happening. Either the demon and the person are like on the same page, are on the same page. And so they're like, ooh, looking at each other and they're like, yeah, we know what's about to go down. We're about to say this. We're about to do this. Or the person's completely calm and their demon is fidgeting. It's like a tail. It's like a tail in poker. Because the demon's like, yeah, it is. And the person's just chilling. So I, I love that. And yeah. then also Pan, in the beginning, Lyra is doing something bad that she shouldn't be doing. And Pan is kind of acting as her conscience. Conscience. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I can't say that. I, uh-huh. I get con- I There's a few words that I can't say very well. I confuse all of this. Conscience. And I think that makes sense because for a little kid, you know in your heart, you know in your soul that you shouldn't be being naughty. Yeah. But you're still going to, that little voice in your head is still there. So Pan is for the voice in her head. And that's not to say that they're disagreeing and they're, she's going against her soul by any means. But just kind of the, you know, kids have a different consciousness. Can I say that? Whereas- I was totally cool with her breaking that rule, though, because it wasn't just Lyra that wasn't allowed. It was all women. So no, no female servants that. could go oh, in that room. That. I was like, fuck it, Lyra, break that rule. That's a dumbass rule. That's right. Liar for president. Yeah, the fact that Mrs. Coulter went as far as she did in the church is like a big deal. 
mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or the magisterium. Yeah, because it it comes across as like it's this world, but there's like because there's a lot of things that are similar, like the places that they talk about, and um, you know mm-hmm. the the way that London society it was portrayed back then, and other things like that. So I, I it just feels like it's supposed to be posited as like an alternate universe like maybe we're the ones in the aurora borealis and you know maybe they are in their aurora borealis for us and that they're in a different pocket universe that's right. how it's I really it. interesting to think about mm-hmm. yeah, yeah well and this goes back to the whole um there is a theory and it says it, it doesn't say this in the golden compass it definitely says it in the subtle knife there is a theory the multi-universe theory that there's infinite universes because every time there's like two possibilities that could happen, a universe out there somewhere. Yeah. It splits off. And that did happen. I think uh, Loki may get into that too. Spoilers, everyone. I'm not for sure. I I mean, it's a popular theory. Like as far as we can already cover it, uh, Dr. Who covers it. So it's a pretty popular theory. Dr. Strange covers it. A lot of cool stuff. Yeah. So, just interesting to uh but i think it's interesting to bring it into this like period of like the 1800s is it that was the vibe i was getting or like the 18 1900s late 1800s right well yes or and we no. just don't know because they have well they have gyrocopters which are helicopters but they don't and i don't remember if they have cars they? or not they They're, have i think they have cars and, zeppelins, and they have zeppelins but they're not well, common Zeppelins were at least we know that there were Zeppelins in like the 1940s. So maybe it's more like mid 1900s because that's like was yeah. it the 40s or the the early 1900s? Because there was something to do with World War II, right? I'm not dumb or World War One. One of the World War no, Wars gets started with like this Zeppelin explosion situation from somebody. I don't freaking remember. It's not that it gets started because of the first World Wars that was to do with the Duke being or like some. Buddy famous got assassinated. Um, I remember that much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder. It was definitely, uh, I know a lot of, it, it's like a lot of the shows uh, and movies and such that I've been watching lately have done a similar theme where you have some like really modern aspects mixed with some older aspects. So you're not quite sure of the time frame. Steampunky vibes. Yeah. Yes. Like There's- Arcane. You arcane, arcane is so head. good i was gonna talk you to you about that i just started so it on an episode i finished 10 out of 10. it actually I, put, I some of the people that are in arcane i i chose to, to play in the golden compass so excellent excellent they are There's wonderful ste- yeah, yeah it's really good but yeah they do it just yeah. feels really steampunk-esque or like you know yes. it's just that weirdness so like ar- the arcane reminds me a lot of like treasure planet and mm-hmm. um because they're freaking pirates man but anyway um but like they have boats that are actual boats it's a weird that's a good movie though um but yeah i i i I do think it's very odd this sort of it's just similar enough that i don't have to be like what he doesn't have to do a lot of world building but he has to do some you know but i also like the way that he just throws out the exposition like as far as like the demons not being touched by other people that was mm-hmm. very interesting to me. The demons are a really cool aspect. Um, 
I know I've been watching the show called Wheel of Time. I don't know if you guys have watched it. It's I've on my list. It on Amazon, my uncle loves it. those books, and so really I will good. eventually start. Uh, it's really good, and so I started that, which I also cast some people from Wheel of Time in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, um, and one of the really cool aspects of it was in the show, there's an Aes Sedai, and each Aes Sedai, which is like this woman conjurer, has her own ward, like warder, and he follows her everywhere. They feel things for each other, and they said their bond is closer than brother, sister, husband, wife, Anyone you can imagine. So if one of them dies, one of them feels pain, hurt, grief, anything, the other feels it. Mm. And uh, Do they so put their ponytails they... together and bang? Of course. Like on Avatar, James Cameron's Avatar. I feel like they that's totally a deeper connection do. than just husband and wife. You can you have your ponytails together. You definitely bang with your ponytails, I'm sure. Sure. <laughs> did, uh, you guys, did you guys watch that film? I've never I watched... still haven't seen it. No. no. We oh know. my gosh! What a reference for me to make and for no one in the room to be there. Damn. Hopefully our listeners one. get it. Yeah, someone I'll watch like, it. Ah. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. You know what's and funny? Wasn't our junior prom the prom that we threw? The oh, one God. that we threw. And weren't most of us on the prom committee? I don't fucking mm-hmm. remember. But mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we chose Avatar as the theme. I just liked it because it yes. seemed very, like, fairy Very colorful. Oh, and then and we had, like, Paris. So we had, like, black and gold mixed with all of these colors from, what was it, Pandora? And it was, was... Sh- I'm not saying it was shit. No, no, no. We, we didn't like the, we, nobody chose Nobody chose those. Let me just, like, I'm sorry about anybody back home that's listening to this. I'm not trying to be offensive. But I know that y'all are out there because I see you on my map when I do my analytics. (laughs) I can't see what city you're in specifically. I'm just kidding. I'm just fucking with you guys. I can't say, like, what block you're on, but I know what city you're in. And I'm like, oh, we'll write. I see you, listener. Um, That being said, Denise, who I adored having as a teacher, made that decision for us to have those centerpieces because she liked them but mm-hmm. none of us decided to have those she chose those because she liked them and i'm like that did not match mesh with our theme at all um but it's fine i'm not gonna be too mad at you because it was just- a wild time then we had that tent outside and all the girls kept falling over the bump <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I had a sprained ankle and I couldn't really do anything. No, I could, could stand in one place and dance. Your was dress bad. was gorgeous. I remember that dress. Thank pretty, you. I loved pretty. that dress. I it loved it. It was gorgeous. I think we made it a good time, but in we my head. Fun. I had fun. My feet yeah, were dirty as hell by the time I was over because I ditched my shoes. Um, but I I mean, I'm I'm a shoeless person. I got married but shoeless. I don't like shoes if I can help it. Um, Kentucky so, match? Uh, I'm from Michigan, so I didn't really track <laughs> uh, No, um, but yeah, and most of our decorations started trying to fall down too, if I'm not mistaken. Probably. Right? Yeah, I remember somebody broke the disco ball. I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't. Don't name it. It was Delia. So... <laughs> I was a rebel. <laughs> no, it was so funny. I think I think you were weren't you putting it up with someone and then it just nope. No, was it, it wasn't me, legitimately. Celia, I thought it was you. No. I thought I really thought it was. I thought if it was, was me it and I don't remember, then I'm sorry, but I really don't remember. No, I that. think you blocked it out of your memory. Maybe um, I did. 
No, I think somebody was helping you and you guys either put it up and it just fell down later accident or while you guys were putting it up. Or maybe it wasn't you and it was somebody I thought was you. Maybe in my head I just put you there. I was going to say, I don't remember hanging the disco I'm short, Sarah. Why would they put me in charge of hanging the disco ball? There was a ladder. There was a step ladder. <laughs> I don't know why. This is Sarah's high I was like one of the shortest that. people in the grade. There's no way they chose me for that job. I think you might have been the shortest, Delia. I don't think there was one of the short. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm okay if I was the shortest. No, I just I'm didn't want to like miscount anybody. <laughs> okay. So this book, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Wheel of Time, definitely recommend watching. And mm-hmm. I like that bond that you can have. And it's mm-hmm. very similar to what Heather was saying like you can be calm and then your demon be freaking out Mm -hmm. or you can have just like this really good like bond like we know what's going to happen next like we're on the same page completely Mm -hmm. uh so i really enjoyed that and when i when i I think we all crave that kind of connection for somebody to know us better than ourselves but then large parts of me as like the therapist is like the codependency is not healthy (laughs) (laughs) this makes more sense though because like it's your soul. It lives outside of your yes. body. And I would love yeah. that. I think that is so neat. The entire time I was reading it, I kept thinking, mm-hmm. like, what would my demon be? You know? Yes! Right? Can we talk about that? Yeah. Yes. Is there a quiz I can do? <gasps> quiz time! I don't know if there's a quiz. If there's not a quiz, we should make a quiz. I mean... I wouldn't know how to make a quiz. There's also people that have, like, really obscure demons. The fact that pantalimon is usually in, I can't remember how it, what it, the exact word is, like an ulmer, it's, it's basically a ferret. Yeah. It's a high key. Yeah. It's a pole It's low key. He's a pole cat. He is a pole cat from time to time, but there's another one, an ermine, maybe. Oh, I don't remember. But he, uh, I, I he is that a lot that I think he's just trying to be, and what, that kind of makes sense though, because Lyra is clever and kind of sneaky. Like yeah. she is. Yeah. I feel bad for the people who were like, you know what? My soul decided it was a dolphin. And I'm like, man, you really can't go on to shore, can you? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I mean, that sucks that for happens. you, bro. That's real unfortunate. Can we also-, also love. Go ahead. Um, Lyra, in these books and in the show as well, she's very often like, oh, I'm Egyptian. And they're like, you're not Egyptian. She's like, I'm a witch. <laughs> and they're like, you're not a witch. And she is always trying to find her place. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I code think switches a lot, her... too. Say it again. Code switches, like her her language that she uses. Yes. Changes, which is she... fair. Like, after I get off the phone with my mama, I end up speaking very, very, very with my Kentucky accent. As opposed to, like, when I speak to my northern cousins. so bad about that. I don't have one <laughs> whatsoever. Oh, Sarah. Go ahead. I'm... I cut you off. It's I'm bad about that as well, but uh, yes, yes, she's just trying to find her place. Absolutely, ten out of ten. I loved her at the beginning when they're like, "Hey, we gotta wash you up for dinner," and she's like, "Huh?" <laughs> you know, she's like out there with dirt and everything on, like Delia mentioned. You know, mm-hmm. it's like she's outside in the dirt. She's very, uh, she's such a tomboy in her own way. You know, she can be very yeah. soft and subtle. And then she's also got that very headstrong and aggressive way about her. And Super I really enjoyed that. But you can continue. Sorry. And I love that several times in the book, the whole series, she's like, hmm, I'll just lie about it. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, huh, how am I going to get that? Oh, I'll just lie. It's fine. <laughs> and that cracks me up. But I also love, so children, you don't know who you are. It takes time to figure out who you are as a person. 
Mm -hmm. and that's reflected in their demons. Like Mm -hmm. they're not settled. And then once you become who you are, it's when your demons settle. So I really like that concept. Also, do you guys think it's interesting? So there's the idea that when you cut the soul away, you're just this shell of a person. Very much like the Dementor's kiss. Um, but right. Mm-hmm. why do you you're think... soulless, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> so that's a fun fact. And then why do you think Philip Pullman calls them demons? What a choice of words. Because right. in our world, demons are bad. Right. And in the second book, the main character that she meets, he's like, demons are a bad thing, but apparently not for you. Mm-hmm. And she because he doesn't come from that world, right? Yeah. Right. Spoiler. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, she if she goes into world. a different world. I'm going to assume everybody else she meets from the here on out is from not her world. Um, but um, he, so I agree. That is very interesting that you mentioned that because you know exactly like you talked about with the dust and the sin. Wow. Oh, why would you? Why would you call them demons? What do you guys think? In How the do- picture, the dust connects. This is definitely true in the movie and the show. There's a strong connection of dust from a person to their demon. Mm-hmm. So you, it's like you and your soul are very sinful. But I wonder if, so you know, like how everyone, like quote unquote, has their demons, mm-hmm. like these these bad things that have happened to you or parts of you that you carry that aren't your favorite. Yeah, is that why he called them demons? Because as bad as things could be, or as heavy as those burdens are, they do make you who you are. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would say the dust is sinful, though, right? It just sounds like energy, and you're misinterpreting it and putting a lot of stuff onto it that, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's sentient. It just goes places, right? Like It just exists. It just exists. It's an elementary particle, like protons and electrons. and Exactly. So, mm-hmm. like, you putting all this idea... Hi. Sorry, my cat's back. <laughs> so, you putting all of this this meaning onto what is essentially something that exists on, like, like the lowest level of a periodic table of elements and that it makes up stuff is really dumb. But it's also, like, it falls into that whole, it's witchcraft. It's like, no, motherfucker, it's science. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's all right. it is. Okay, burn me at the stake if you want to. But anyway, so I don't, I don't, if it's just energy that exists between two things, it's a relationship. It's just matter. So there's also more I can tell you based on later books. Okay, well, don't. It, it, it explains certain things more about it and gives a little more, uh, back, not background to dust, but you just learn more about dust. Okay. And, like, people's relationship with it and its relationship to things. It's just So weird. I won't get all that, but you get some more of that for sure. I also love, so you've got Lyra, Mrs. Coulter, and Lord Asriel. Mm-hmm. And they're all taking this differently. Mm-hmm. Because Mrs. Coulter being part of the Magisterium, they're like, we need to save our children's souls. We need to save them from sin slash dust. So we're just mm-hmm. never going to give them the opportunity. But do they not even see what they're doing? That's the thing that pisses me off. It's like, if you're a good scientist, you observe. And if you see that these kids are dying because you're removing their demon, or you see that they are just basically robots because you're removing their demon, don't you think that, like... They might need their demon. They might need them? (laughs) 
it's not even i just like i got so mad at the adults are. in this exactly it's part of who you are you can't eviscerate essential self you guys will learn more about that in the fever series you can't otherwise like you're just not you anymore you know you you i understand wanting to save kids and i think that you know in general we try to because they're innocent and they're brand spanking new to the world and and we want to protect them. And, and I understand that. I used to be a CPS worker. I get that at a fundamental level of myself. I do understand. But I also think that, like, we aren't kids anymore. It's harder for us to understand them sometimes because we aren't them. We don't live in their brains. And we know what's good for them, sure, but not always. Like, shit, they used to think that smoking was good for pregnancy or whatever. Obviously <laughs> not a good so, thing. No, so good. For the baby. You can't get on this table, my love. Get down. But keep in mind, who says that the Magisterium are good scientists? They're not. <laughs> Let's one. be honest. The church in That's general, not to shit on anybody's religion. The church We're talking in, about, or in the book. In the book, in the book, and historically for us. Um, <laughs> it's not been great. It's not been great. Like They're like, yeah, sure, we believe this. Witches should burn at the stake. See comment from earlier. <laughs> Not great scientists. Right. Because you don't care. It's like much things that you can't explain or anything kind of is. Yeah. It has to be like a darker force. Mm -hmm. Like things that you can't explain that don't make sense to you that you can't put into the form of the world around you. Your reality must be something outside of this world, outside of this reality. Mm -hmm. And instead of science, it has to be something supernatural. You know, that's the way that people think of it. Right. And and they put that negative connotation. Exactly. They put negative connotation on it. I'd also say, have you guys ever watched The Alchemist? Or not watched, excuse me, read. It's The Alchemist, The Sorceress, The Warlock. I remember you guys reading that. And when yeah, I got you and I think Kayla read it too. They talk about, they just, then I'll let you talk. I'm so sorry I cut you off. They talk about how science, really advanced to science to someone who doesn't understand it, feels like magic. Mm-hmm. So for example... If you went to the 1800s and you pull it out an iPod or an iPad or an iPhone, they are going to be like, burn her at the stake. Well, they stopped burning She's people then, music. but they definitely would have exiled you somewhere or like right. beat you up in a back alley. It would not have gone well, no. So that's just kind of add on to that. Is so- Right. I think about it when I look at, um, because this entire book, obviously, you know, we have this entire scientific method playing out in front of us. Like we were talking about, observe, you know, hypothesize, like they have theories, like what's going on? What is this dust? What's this severed head? Anyway, so (laughs) we know what it is. What what are it? What are severed head? (laughs) What are? But, uh, you know, and we know, but this is really random. um, But I follow like this Reddit page called Black Magic Fuckery. And it's just basically, and it's just basically like things that you don't understand that people are doing. And it's kind of like, how the fuck did they do that? And I really like watching it because one, I've learned how to cheat at card games a lot better. And two, (laughs) it it teaches you how they're doing it. So you have a lot of like even magicians and people on there. And that's like, this looks completely unreal. Looks like it could not happen, but it can happen. And like even physics, there are some physics like, um experiments you can do where i'm like how is that even possible mm-hmm. how right. and i don't know anything about physics so it's definitely possible sarah doesn't know 
Um, there's just things that I try to understand on my day to day that I'm thinking, you know, I know that there is an explanation for it that could be completely logical. Just like the fact, I mean, in the future, there are things we're going to find out that could completely blow our mind right now. Oh, yeah. So it's, it was really interesting the way that the people in the book, how they each dealt with that. Mm-hmm. You know, like you mentioned, like they each were dealing with it very differently, all of it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, Miss, yeah, Miss Coulter and the church perspective, we're going to just cut away the sin. Then you have the Lord of Ezra perspective, which is, well, where does sin come from? <laughs> if it is connecting us to all these other worlds and something that could connect all these worlds is the authority, then let's go to the source and kill the authority. He was like, because he was the one that told him Can not to imagine- eat the the amount of narcissistic like feeling personality situation you have to have to be like i'm gonna go kill god motherfuckers like you right. have to be so full of yourself you're like this own... is the wildest read i've ever read <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what, a, what a wild statement i just read with my own eyes yeah it's like one of those things but anyway so you were saying she's like let's cut away the sin he's like let's go kill it at the source yeah let's go he's like okay so you know if 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 sin is bestowed upon us from god because adam and eve ate the fruit of knowledge of good and evil then let's just kill god and then we're not going to be held back by sin because there's a there's a theory that sin is the reason that humans age and die adam and eve they were not shameful they were who knows they could have been living in the garden of eden for infinite like infinite amount of time mm-hmm. and people in the bible also lived a lot longer than people do now so the theory is sin is the reason that we decay so he's like i want to live forever i want to do all the things i don't want to be held back by sin so i'm going to kill god which feels like the ultimate sin my opinion yeah <laughs> I, I concur interesting that he takes it that way so you have you know cut away the sin save us from sin we have let's eliminate sin by eliminate god and then you have lyra and i love i don't i'm pretty sure it's the end of this book lyra's like hear me out maybe it's not that bad (laughs) maybe sin isn't worth cutting children from their souls and it's also not worth fighting god she says something along the lines of if they think that dust is bad then it has to be good Right. Like, these are horrible people. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. That's right. My connection suck. to make, you know? Yeah. Like the if, you're, if your enemy doesn't friend. like it, yes. If if your enemy doesn't like it, it's a good thing. Can I just say, yeah, it's her like, parents do suck. Like seriously, they suck so bad. Time. They're oh terrible God. people. Oh yeah. I mean, a large part of me want to be like, well, Lord Azrael's sort of redeemable in that he was really upset that she showed up and instead it wasn't her that she brought Roger to. But it's like, you still killed a small child. I'm sorry, but like, here's my yeah, opinion on yeah. everything in life, which is that the things that are the most vulnerable, if you treat them shittily, that says a lot more about you than it does about anything else, than anything else in about the name you. Of science. Yeah. In the name a, of like, science. <laughs> in the name a, of science, it is not my cocaine that is the problem that is causing me to die young. It is sin. Cocaine is not the sin. What the hell? I love you so much. The dust is the sin. Seriously? I'll tell you about dust. <laughs> it dust ain't cocaine. Is the cocaine. <laughs> dust is cocaine. And that is the sin. That's angel dust, Sarah. You're confusing oh, the Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, my bad. 
that makes sense. So we haven't done the drugs before. Um, <laughs> Angel dust. Uh, so I don't know. I struggled really hard with Lord Azrael, but especially when he she. It's it's interesting to see her dynamic with him. She she he is mean to her and he is abusive yeah, he is. to her, and that yeah, happens in the beginning of the book. She fears him, but she loves him, and that in and of itself is a very good picture into what abuse between parents and children looks like is that you hurt me but you're my parent so i love you you know because that happens later too when um she tries to she has to go rescue him and he like is like if you don't like when he puts her back in the cupboard and finds out she's in there he's like if you don't uh if you make a sound and you don't come out with anything interesting for me, then you're going to wish that that somebody else had found you in here. Which is like, holy fuck, man. Jeez. No, I'd have left your ass to the bears. Yeah, that right. sucks for you. You are a terrible person. Yeah, he's not good. Now, which is worse? You have Mrs. Coulter, who is literally cutting away the souls of children, which I would say is arguably worse than killing a child. Their souls. But she's doing it for what she thinks is the greater good. No, Mm -hmm. good. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, Heather. (laughs) I firmly believe that. But then you have Lord Asriel, who kills only a singular child, but he literally straight up murders them for his own gain. What is worse? I don't like this moral quandary. I think they both suck. (laughs) They both deserve uh, razors up their buttholes. So no, like, but I see like, it's, it's a really balls, interesting point. Delia, would you like to uh, condemn them to any kind of fate? I mean, I feel like that. No, not really. Not just because I can't think of anything creative enough right now. Sarah, Sarah had a pretty good one. Thank you. Right, um, I think their demons should be cut after. Razors in the buttholes and then cut their demons after. Yeah, you want to? Yeah, that's a good one. You know, what's good for the goose uh, is good for the gander, right? That's what I'm saying. Also, Mrs. Coulter obviously knows it's bad, or she wouldn't let, or she would have let Lyra get her soul cut. Oh yeah, yeah that's what I'm thinking. Like Lord right. Azrael no, also she, knows what he's doing is bad, or he wouldn't let Lyra get her soul cut because she does something like she gets something from it, and I can't tell because there's that scene. You remember at the party with the um, I'm sorry, I cut you off, but no, at the party with the uh, the journalist, and she is she basically. Like, the journalist gets so overwhelmed by her that she goes almost boneless. Like, she has no will. And she's very strong sometimes. Like, and I don't know what they're doing with that, but that is very interesting to me because it seems like she almost has, like, a supernatural power. And she's the only one that it has her fingers in all the pies when it comes to this, like, gobbler situation. So I would bet that she gets something from it like she get she's getting something from this like severing for personal gain here's an interesting thing too there's a couple details in the book i thought were very strange number one can't her demon move a little further from her than most did they mention that in the book yeah i think so because they definitely mention it in the show they're like but she's not not, how is she not right so she's not a witch so is that just a suggestion that maybe she is so soulless that she's not as connected to herself? Uh-huh. Or is this something, because if it, if 
if it turns into more, then I've not read it yet. Mm-hmm. Number two, when she gets angry, Lyra describes her as like a metallic smell. Yeah, yeah, that was the other mm-hmm. thing too. Mm-hmm. And I, I, if something has come of that, either I don't remember it or I haven't read it. So I'm just interested in yeah. what those two details what that and again it comes mean. down to like either the smell because Lyra talks about it too how when she gets angry she smells that and she can't make herself do like go against her yeah. like she fights really hard to go against her when she's like that mm. yeah. so I so wonder just odd just maybe her blood is literally boiling <laughs> we smell the metallic smell I don't know of iron and maybe. the blood yeah maybe it's weird though. <laughs> I don't like works. it. But I did like. Can we talk about the bear? Yorick Benson. The bear loves Lyra. Lee Scoresby also loves Lyra. Yeah, I'm I said they were going to be her new parents. Too. She yeah. was adopted by everyone else. Just yeah, then. she was. Like, her parents sucked. Yeah. Everyone was like, "Come in, come into my uh, my bosom. Yeah. I will hold you here in my heart." And I'm like, "Oh, she deserves that." Yes. She does. We don't. We don't deserve Yorick, though. I think. I think, as people, he's just fantastic to me. I really enjoy him immensely because he was like, "Oh, you got me my armor back," and like, and now I'm good. That's your soul. You have your soul. I have my soul. You help me get yeah. it back. Undying loyalty forever. I'm the king. King of the bears. He's the king of the bears, and he takes her on king an errand. Bears. He he yeah. like takes her on yeah. an errand. Like I'll be right back. You got this, right? Okay, I gotta take. I gotta take a little one over here to do something. Lara has a need and I will fulfill it he says exactly, oh, yeah. exactly. super sweet and I love um, when he fights Yofer oh yeah and he outsmarts him because Lyra helps him realize hey he's not he's he's not using his bare self he's trying to be a human right so he, you can trick a human he, yeah you can trick a human you can't trick a bear but this boy trying to be a human so you can trick him and so yeah. that I mean that wins him the fight which was super then, cool I was worried for him for a second yeah, I love the ending. Spoilers, everyone. But when he knocks his jaw off his face, that's how it is in the movie, too. It's not like that in the show, and I was mad, because I love that. In the movie, the camera is really panned out, and he hits him in the face, and the jaw, like, comes over and slides to the the camera. Oh. So okay. it's a that's really cool. very specific, very eh, graphic <laughs> um, scene. But I really Ooh, doesn't it. he eat that guy? That was my, that was a good part. He gets his heart. Yeah. He gets his heart, yeah. So that he can be closer to him, have him forever as a part of him. Like, yeah. You guys think about that? That's weird. I thought it was more just like, I'm needing your heart as like a form of dominance. Yeah, I thought it was a dominant thing too. Oh, yeah, it could be dominant. But that's interesting though. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, near, far, wherever you are, I ate your heart. All right, Celine. <laughs> kind of like, you know, like, I don't know. I was reading something about it, and it was kind of like, so you always have that, yeah, that part of you, because, anyway. Or maybe it's like, maybe it is something like that. Like, if I had enough bravery, courage, strength, and ferocity to destroy this person, and I, that's just a, re- a reminder for me that I have that part that of me in- that could do that exists inside me always. Yes, yes. So maybe there's I something to that. I think that is, yes. I think that's a really good idea. But it also could be, you know, dominance. But I was reading into the fact that it was more of like keeping that part of him with him um, for the remembrance. Not because it's like, oh, this is my favorite person and I shat on him or something. But, you know, um, 
or this is my least favorite person and I shat on him but uh I don't know how to say this but that heart won't be with him forever nope he's gonna shut it out the digestive system exists oh well I mean it takes some (laughs) of it right isn't it you know it's like um it's like it doesn't people keep it per se, but who is it? I forget what it is, but like you eat the heart as a form of bravery, you know, like a form of like so what movie or show is it in? They no, eat I a heart. Either. You guys know? No. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, it's in Sarah's. So head. I... Uh, no, but there is one there. There's, there's some heart to eat I did like. Uh-huh. Sorry, I meant to she make this to. this note, but I did like that um, when they take the children. They only take the children who aren't going to be missed. So yes. it's a very much, it's very accurate for society, for our society. Like serial killers tend to target. I was going to mention this. Yes. Homeless sex workers. You're not homeless sex workers. Not like two separate <laughs> categories. Yeah, exactly. Kids like from the, the homeless, slums. The sex workers. Yeah. 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 So I thought that was really interesting the way that people he... normally from like poverty like Mm -hmm. people you know kind of like how the gabby petito case got a a very famous due to the fact that she was this blonde Mm -hmm. um girl you know and she's blonde she's white and it's very known that a lot of like cute kids that fit the beauty standards of society are the ones that we see john benet ramsey like Mm -hmm. you know huge things about this but there are other kids her name, like Asha Degree, she was this um, African American girl, I believe, in North America. North America, duh. She was in uh, North Carolina, and <laughs> it was, she went missing, and it's such a big thing. Um, but people just don't, people don't care about no. you know. And no. you have the Egyptians, and you have all of these people, and then, the kitchen boy, yeah, the kitchen yeah. boy, yeah. And no one, no one seems to care. And, and like you say, it's it's very, it's a it's a big way that predators pick their prey mm-hmm. and especially for they're very you know, in tune to society well they have to know society in order to mask themselves and blend in but yeah mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. how you know they're just uh, overall i mean obviously that's how you know that they know they're people. wrong that's the shit that pisses me off we're like oh i didn't know i was doing anything wrong or i'm crazy i'm like no you had enough sense to pick yeah. your targets the way that you picked them Get out of my face with your bullshit. Things that, and like, you know, and like you mentioned, Heather, they're not going to do that to Lyra, so they have to know it's bad, you know? Mm-hmm. They know yeah. not to they do know. it to their little girl. They know not they to know. do that. You know, she she matters to them. And the others, they're just not attached to in any form. And that just mm-hmm. breaks my heart. They just um, don't mean anything. And I'm just like, all human life means something. Even people that are pieces of shit mean something. Right. I don't have and to like them, but they mean something. I have a question, too. When it comes to the the dust um and they said that like adults are more saturated with the dust right mm-hmm. they are okay why okay are they focusing on the kids because they're like we don't want you to be like us yeah well, essentially they're it's, like it's, yeah it's we're like, sinful like mm-hmm. we are sinful you have not entered the world of sin so we are going to stop your chance from entering the world of sin mm-hmm. and it's and but the things they do are so sinful. <laughs> it's all, right. you know. But they think it's the greater good. And would you not argue good. that there are some humans with Christian beliefs that are <laughs> not nice to groups of humans because they think it's for the greater good? Right. 110%, yeah. But I also think that I I am not the biggest fan of some, of doing something because someone else says it so i need i like when people use their own brains 
and it, you know, it just seems like you can't say that, you know, that the Ten Commandments says, okay, and I'm sorry, I'm going to get into a religious debate here. And if you guys don't like it, well, I'm talking about my readers. This book would go there. Yeah. Yeah. So here's, here's the thing. If you've got the Ten Commandments saying that, you know, God supposedly struck into stone saying, love thy neighbor as thyself. And you turn around and say that God's going to condemn you for such and such. First of all, how do you know his mind so well? Secondly, how are you supposed to pass judgment when you believe in a God who is the only person that's supposed to be judging no, people? Bit, yes, supposed to be able to pass judgment. So Absolutely. I need you to, like, your, your cognitive dissonance is showing and it really pisses me off. Like, it's not up to you to say who's going where because, again, you're not the judge. Um, you're one of the people that will be judged someday. And I'm sure that he's not enjoying your behavior right now. So sit down, shut up. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of that. You know, just don't. There's no reason for you to be mean or unkind to another human being just because you don't like what they're doing. That sucks for you. I don't like what you're doing. Right? I'm not saying you're going to hell. Personally, that's how I see it. Like, if you're going to be religious, if you're going to bring religion into it, if you're going to go um, biblically by, like, the Bible um, of the the Christian Bible, then if Jesus sat with, you know, prostitutes and drunkards and... You know, he he sat with people who no one else cared about the lepers. Like, I want to do that. You know, if Jesus did that, then that's good enough for me. I'm going to do that. Like, I, one, I love everybody. I don't see anybody as, as you know, smaller than me um, or bigger than me. I think we're all on, like, equal ground. But, yeah, if Jesus was good enough to sit with these people that you think so little of and you're not, then you're not acting Christ-like. Mm-hmm. You know, you're acting better than and that's horrible anyway that's just me so i like the idea that you yeah absolutely you can't pass judgment on anyone it's Um, not your job it's not your place it's not you're supposed to be kind everyone Mm -hmm. like you said treat everyone like your neighbor i don't want to talk to you i don't want to hear your side of the story i don't want to talk to you about your religion and why you feel the way that you do and let you try to save me because you're so hateful about it like if your god hates other people I don't want that to be my God. Like you're, you're contrary. Like, and I know the reason why people talk about it. The reason why people want to talk to other people is to spread the word, right? That's the whole mission, right? Is to spread the word and get it out there. And, and, um, so you can save other people. Cause that's ultimately what it comes down to. I don't think there's like malit, malit, if there's the intention Malicious isn't, intent. yeah, the intention isn't to be with malice. It is because you're trying to save their soul. Like ultimately, I think that that's where the intention comes from. But again, but that's you, not our place, right? Right, exactly. And and you saying it in that way, saying you think I'm going to go to hell, or you think that I'm not good enough, or or such and such and so and so, then I'm not going to want to listen to you and the word that you have to spread. You're already like closing the gate before I even get before you even get the chance to tell me your word. Because you basically just told me that this thing that I'm supposed to believe in that's going to save me eternally or whatever hates me. I don't want to spend eternity with somebody who hates me. Jesus. Especially I don't want to spend it with you if you're going to be there too. So, you know, that whole thing with honey, vinegar, flies. Not going to end up there. Absolutely. (sighs) It's a wild I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying your strategy sucks. 
I'm also not saying that you're right either, because I don't believe that. But that's just, you know, we're not talking about that. We're just saying in general. (laughs) I believe if we're here in this universe, and if someone believes that there is a greater being who created this universe and this world, and there are all these different kinds of people in this world with all of these different kinds of beliefs and cultures, and if you don't love them, then I think you're going against that that greater power that you think that you you like you know you think that if you think that god loves you then why would he not love everyone else on this earth that he created everything else on this earth that he created the way in his image let's talk about that absolutely absolutely the way you know you say god creates you to be who you are and that doesn't make mistakes exactly now all this other shit like you just contradict yourself all the time I know, mm-hmm. I know that we're not talking to all Christians here. I want to preface. We're not talking to all Christians. And, and we're talking to specific Christian fanatics who act hatefully and think that they're doing it for a good cause or a good reason. Those are the ones we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, you absolutely know the ones who are very loving. With any religion, those who are loving and open oh, and yeah. just very welcoming and want to actually spread the love. The yeah. love in the word and not just the word. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's... And that's definitely you can definitely tell the difference you can tell so. the difference because those people i don't mind hanging out with and the other people i could give a shit about right i could because yes. i don't have any shits to give I that's could right not. no shit Jealous over here. constipated huh? <laughs> exactly actually no, i'm just kidding so it's like yeah maybe <laughs> my intestine is shorter from that weird thing that happened to me when i had surgery and such i remember that <laughs> it's senior year yeah. so you know things also, don't always work the way they're supposed to um, just, just randomly. So at the beginning, how do you feel about the master trying to poison mm. Azrael? Like, how do you feel about that? Knowing what we know now? and what ends up happening? Yeah. How, it, how do you feel? That's hard. Right. But I'm also like, Azrael, you lived a good life. You go on to kill a child. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it would have been best. <laughs> maybe I, it would have been I never want anyone to die like that, but maybe it would have been best. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. I mean, I mean who's, who's to say? But Lyra believes that's her uncle at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Right, Israel. Which and is why then she says something. She's like, "Hey, good the thing the master I was did that because of Mrs. Coulter, right?" No, well, he thought that Mrs. Coulter was the lesser of two evils, but I think that he did it because of like what the alethiometer had mentioned to him, because he could the read it. See that that was a big thing to me. First of all. Um, because this entire time I'm like, where's the compass? And I'm like, oh yeah, this is the compass. It's the you know, lithiometer. yeah, lithiometer. And so that was really, it's really interesting that he gave that to her. And I knew something like, because the master seemed like a kind person who seemed mm-hmm. like he cared about Lyra. You know, obviously, I think a lot of the scholars care about Lyra. They did. Yeah, they did. she was oh, raised yeah. there. Like mm-hmm. Lord Azrael wasn't really around. She right. was raised by a collective father. Yeah, who she yeah. thought was her uncle. Yeah, that's the kind of shit that I'm talking about. Like, you care so little for your kid. Your kid is of no consequence to you to the point where you're like, I don't even want her to call me dad. Like, okay. Also, I think it's interesting that Mrs. Coulter parades around like the perfect human trying to eliminate sin, but she has a sinful past. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. she is, she had her adultery and was pregnant with the child that wasn't her husband's and then Azriel kills Mrs. Colt or Mr. Coulter. Mm-hmm. So just a lot of, 
I just think, you know, sometimes it's nice when you are dealing with other people who may or may not believe what you believe or may or may not live the way that you live, that maybe you are also a sinner and we should just love everyone. Reflect right. on yourself. Right. Exactly. Reflect on yourself. I'm a, Instead I'm a of taking that as like, man, look at all this sin. It's like, maybe it's not the sin that made you do that. Maybe it's just yourself. You mm-hmm. know, you can't blame it on the sin all day. You could be covered in sin all you want to. It's a sinful world. But it's not like the sin made her cheat on her husband. Mm-hmm. You know, the, because the sin is the byproduct, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like the things you do from those feelings and then yeah. the sin doesn't make Azriel kill her you know uh husband and it's just right. it's wild your feelings are fact mm-hmm. are not fact your feelings are not fact but they are valid right right so right. Mm-hmm. that comes into this with like you feel like it's sin like that made you do it but that's just not the fact you wanted to and so you did and then like you said the byproduct of it was that you sinned it's not the right. sin that made you do it. Right. Unless we're talking about, like, lust as, like, one of the seven deadly sins. But I still right. think that that is, I think that's just an excuse that people throw out there for why they did what they did instead of right. taking responsibility. It's just innate human nature that we're going to feel these things and the way that we do. Right. And, yeah, it's just like an explanation. If we weren't sinning, we would be in the garden. Now, would we? Wouldn't we? But we are yeah, not. naked in the garden. I, I want to be naked in the garden. We can go right now. It's hot as hell. I might lose this sweatshirt here in a second. Ew. Naked <laughs> in the garden. I got a tank top underneath it. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, okay. So, any other thoughts? Any other specific things you guys uh, want to discuss? From my perspective, this isn't necessarily something to discuss, but I think I would go back to this book. Um, I'd like to listen i was listening to it on audiobook which was great because you know you had the different voices and stuff but i wonder oh, if the maybe... audiobook, yeah this is a full cast audiobook yeah like, it is oh it's so yes. good is the second I one the same it. way yes then i'll listen to the second all one. three of them are a full cast audiobooks i love it when they're like that oh it it, it just it adds so much mm-hmm. to like i listened to voices. rebecca rebecca was good but yeah and to be honest some of my favorite yeah. books audiobooks aren't like that like to kill a mockingbird is just sissy spacek and she but it's sissy spacek she's sissy spacek exactly she's fantastic you know but anyway all right everyone go home and watch cold miner's daughter right now i know that's exactly what i'm thinking so i'll get some sad for you later holler (laughs) can we talk about the witches before we peace out yeah, oh, yeah. let's talk about the witches i like the how witches. cool were they that they had like yeah argued amongst each other sometimes where there's like we had a clan war <laughs> would it be it just nah, feels like very ancient was. like not ancient but like you know 1600 15 1600 scotland when they were like the clans were fighting against one another uh-huh you know yes. right so um, i also love that they live so know. much longer and yeah, so they yeah. take multiple lovers and mm-hmm. they it almost hurts to have lovers. See, and-, and that's the thing too, is you think about it real quick, not to but if you think sin is what makes you age and die and get old or whatever, then at like the witches still have their uh-huh. demons, their demons. They still have their demons and they still live a very long time. Like, can we talk to them? Like, hey, what's your secret? Is it like L'Oreal or like what's going on here? <laughs> Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it is Maybelline. 
But Why did it uh, almost hurt for them to have lovers? Because well, because well, then they would have kids, and yeah, unless it was a girl, then they outlived them. Oh yeah. yeah. Which is, is really sad. Oh, yep, yeah. yep. I remember now. Well, and wow. I thought about, well, even like sad little things. Lincoln here, he's going to age and he's going to die most likely well before I do. I didn't hear that, Link. We can't And it just makes this. me sad. Because <laughs> Kiki, Kiki, my kitty cat, no, Lincoln is still spry. He's a spring he chicken. Is. He is and spring chicken. Kiki is like 16. She'll be 17 this coming August. Like. Yeah. She's ancient. Yeah. So just imagine being a witch and it's your kid and your husband instead. Yeah. Right? Just, you know, I I would argue that animals Loss are better hurts. people than people. But... It just Oh, does. yeah. 10 yeah. out of 10, animals are better people than most people. Oh, yeah, um, that's true. But it does. Loss does hurt. Like, I remember when they told me popcorn passed away and I was like, no, oh, taking a day off work because I couldn't. I could not compose myself. Yeah. Even though I knew it was coming. I'm like, I know he's older, you know, mm-hmm. and you know. And I've anticipatory grief, but the anticipatory grief will never ever rival or make you prepared enough exactly. for the actual loss. Like you lost popcorn during this po- when we did this podcast, we had to postpone for a couple of days because you were in mourning, and that makes sense. Same thing with my aunt. You know, it's just like absolutely where I can't imagine, but that's just like we are not going to outlive everyone we love. We know that, you know. Right. I mean, most people don't outlive Speak everyone they love. Speak for yourselves, guys. Okay? <laughs> I'm planning to live a very extended period of time until I feel like it's not worth it anymore. Yeah, but you're still going to love age. younger people, right? Your grandchildren, if you well, have no, them. No, absolutely. You know? Yeah, you... And they probably will... You're not going to outlive... For the most... Most people do not outlive the people that they love. They're still... They, they, I'm not saying you don't. There, you still have, yeah, love you outlive ones a lot who are of people, be left but, behind. You know, you're gonna at some point you're gonna do the leaving, um, which is why I guess it's profound, something. profound. Yeah. Sometime so. we're gonna do the leaving. Uh, listen, on a on a Someday serious will, note, uh, join the bat parade. Stop. <laughs> One day. That was actually pretty good. That was a good reference. It's a good one. <laughs> marching band okay anyway but on a personal note uh, I have anticipa- anticipatory grief over everything and everyone mm-hmm. possible in my life and I speak to my mom about it on a constant basis this is some probably uh, idea. psychological oh yeah oh I know um, I was going to say rumination is the, the, the depression comes from that sometimes so I talk to my mom and I'm like mom I feel this way. And mom's like, Sarah, it's okay. And she helps me. And we work it out. And then I'll go back and I'm fine. And then I'm like, everyone's going to die. And I'm like, I just can't take it. I'm like, mom. <laughs> and then I'll go back. And then she's like, Sarah, we talked about this. <laughs> I'm like, mom, I promise. And I don't know what it is. And it's part of my depression is like, obviously, like thinking about death, worrying about death. And um, uh, existential therapist. They deal uh, solely with the anxiety of death. That is totally what they're that's their bread and butter right there yep i have anxiety over that and the fact that they're Hi, good. did he wave yes he did yeah. he's precious the, you married a good with one my food. i know he's a good fella and i forget what i was i don't say know why i say hi every time he can't hear me <laughs> I don't, well, he, i'm sure he knows he, yeah uh, we'll see. Uh, but you're but saying yeah anyway continue yeah. so it's just i mean like we do that though like we we that's anticipatory grief but oh yes i know what i was gonna say okay um so it reminds me i'm doing a lot of oh this reminds me of this this reminds me of this but this book really had a lot of moments that reminded me obviously of Mm -hmm. other 
um, works of fiction. And one of those was uh, Tuck Everlasting. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. So we're talking about like the, the, the loving and the missing and the living longevity, longevity of living. And Tuck that's lives one thing. for such a long time and loses people he loves. Yeah. And he loses them. And when he gives, you know, what is it, Winnie, Winnie the choice. And he's like, mm-hmm. drink from this. You know, we can be together and love each other forever. And she's like, no. Because she, you know, she knows it's a natural part of living. She wants to love. She wants to have children. She knows it's not natural for her to outlive, you know, her children. Yeah. Yeah. And so when he comes back and he looks at her um, tombstone and kind of reminisces over that, like that's, I I thought of the witches in that respect. That's what I was going to say. Yes. And that, that really made me think of that. Like you said, because, uh you know they're gonna lose these people so it mm-hmm. would hurt it would definitely hurt but yeah. it would be cool to be a witch but that's all oh it would be really oh, fun flying around with your sprig of cloud pine oh yeah 110 percent ah demon oh. flying around so before we get to casting is there anything else no i think so you guys can do final thoughts we can oh yeah we should do that I liked it. I can't wait to listen to the next one. Um, I've been looking for something. I've been trying to like read and quilt and not read, but like um, I've been trying to watch TV and quilt and it's hard because my computer doesn't go up loud enough and I it for my sewing machine, but my phone does. So and I don't want to watch TV on a little screen. And I had started this quilt listening to Rebecca and I really was kind of done with my podcast. So I was like, I need another audiobook, but I'll wait until we pick another book so that I can <laughs> listen to it. But I, now that I know, I can listen to The Subtle Knife and I'm, I'm excited to get there. This was good. It was a quick read. Uh, I'll do my recommendation now because I might as well. I do highly recommend it. Not even just a little recommend. It's like a highly recommend. It's a very good book. I, I liked it a lot significantly. So right. she's talking to Adam. Then I'll give mine. So yes, I also highly recommend it. I loved the story when it was a movie way long time ago. Reading the book was a really great, just even more insight into the story itself. I think Pullman does a really good job with the actual writing. Yeah, he does. It's really well written. It's really easy to get immersed. Mm -hmm. I uh, love the characters. Obviously, I love their names, but even the character development was really well done. And the people who were there for Lyra, Fartacorum, I didn't even talk about Fartacorum, but I love him. Oh, yeah, he was good. Um, Super, super sweet. And then I will also preface this with, I am someone who, regardless of religious belief, I can read something that says, hey, I'm a character that's going to kill God, and it doesn't bother me. If you're bothered by that, obviously don't read this. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm someone I which I read all I of Chronicles of Narnia and didn't realize it was an allegory for Jesus. So there's that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it usually goes over my head. Yeah, <laughs> I think that I didn't know that until we started talking. Until you enlightened us, like I didn't realize that that's what this was supposed to be, like that he was going to go kill the authority or whatever. I didn't. I was thinking it was like something else. I didn't make that connection. So I mean, if you don't yeah. look too hard into it, then you won't see it so yeah I was waiting for it because my mom had had talked about it and then I had listened to another podcast called Overdue Mm -hmm. and they talk about books and I listened to the one on the Golden Compass oh nice and was like oh mercy this might be a little more religiously advanced than I thought it would be 
Yeah. yeah, I wasn't expecting the religious aspects, but again, I also didn't expect it in the Lion Witch in the Wardrobe until, you know, like you said, you know, you, you know we talk <laughs> like, about it, we find it later. Jesus. What? <laughs> or so, Aslan was an allegory for Jesus. It was all an allegory for religion. But the reason that I kind of yes. picked up on it was when, again, I was reading up on it. Because you know how you are when you like something and you're like, I'm going to look up everything. Yeah, I'm going to look up things. Yeah, so I did that and it was talking about how Pullman right Pullman Mm -hmm. how his was he wanted it to be I don't want to say a criticism but just like a direct foil yes for like you mentioned the Lion Witch and the Wardrobe and I'm like huh because you have this like you have the society Mm -hmm. you have the religion you have the dude wanting to kill God as you mentioned which also didn't think about until you mentioned that and I'm like Mm -hmm. cool yeah, to me it was obvious because he straight up said it. But if you're not looking for it, I could see how the authority may not be God to you. Right. Because like, <laughs> when he said the authority, I'm like, oh, this is God. We're talking about God. Yeah. Here we go. Again, I'm I pretty see sure now. he has narcissistic personality disorder. Oh, yeah. Azrael, not a good man. We don't stand Coulter or Azrael. Good to know. In this no, house. No. In this house either. We're in different houses. Uh-uh. <laughs> and in this it's house. Like we do stand it. We like all the evil people full of sin. We like the more dust on them, the better. (laughs) Well, you know, there might be a little dust on the bottle, but don't let it fool you about what's inside. I almost said it. I almost said it. I love that song so much. So good. Oh, God. Uh, So, yes, I enjoyed it. Different than what I thought. Um, Again, because, you know, and I didn't know when we started it that it was a part of a trilogy. Well, Okay, I knew, I didn't know until it was about, like, right before we started that it was part of a trilogy. So, I also am excited to uh, potentially go forth and read the other book. I know I want to read them at some point. But, yeah, I definitely recommend it. I mean, I don't think it hurts. And especially if you're, if you watch the movies or if you've ever had any interest in it. Like, it's something that um, younger me, especially preteen and teenage me, wanted to read. I just never got around to it. Mm -hmm. So, I'm glad that I was able to do it now with you ladies. So, I recommend it. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Dust, demons, witches, you know, killing Roger. Science. Do it. Did you guys Any do... Matches? Did you do the quiz real quick before we go into casting? I did. I did not. Okay, we'll hurry up and do it while we discuss ours because it's a really quick quiz. What did you get, Sarah? I got Lynx. The Lynx represents vision and foresight and having your demons settle uh, as one would compliment your abilities to see through lies and deceptions. You have a keen awareness of the world around you and how others perceive you. You value the promises you make and care that those close to you believe that you are truly loyal to them. Aw, I love that. I feel like mine's not correct, but we're going to read it. I think parts of it are, but parts of it aren't. So I would be, I can't say this, but you know that monkey from Friends? Marcel? Yes. He's a okay. cap. Poochin monkey? I can't say that. Whatever. So he's a monkey. Uh, like the typical monkey you think of, like from Pirates of the Caribbean, that monkey. His name mm-hmm. is Jack. Anyway, so I would be him. It, them, they, I don't know. Uh, well, I guess it would be him because they're often, if it, if you identify as female, then the, or your sex is female, then the opposite. Your demon, your demon is male, which is odd, but okay. Yeah, and they mentioned one person in the book who... Has same? Had a same... It was like a, it was an offhanded comment. Um, and I don't know what that means. Do you think that means they're gay? Do you think that means they're trans? Is it neither? Like, mm. I think that's just really Oh, non-binary. So you just have like a. Yeah. So 
your demon taking the form of a monkey, I'm just going to say monkey, reflects your own duality. You are an incredibly intelligent and introspective person, quiet most of the time, but lighthearted and fun-loving among friends. You refuse to be defied by, defined by any one trait, and that's why this demon is, demon is perfect for you. Be able to shift moods at the slightest change of your own. I'm not really a quiet person in general. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, mm, maybe it's not accurate. I don't know. Yeah, well, mine said links as well. Fun fact. Oh, cool. Oh, you got the links too. Look cool. at y'all. So, well, you know. Me and Heather came from the same vagina. We're the same person. Two cats oh. and a monkey. Two cats and a monkey. That's our next porn movie. I was, go- was going <laughs> to say it's our next porn film. <laughs> Also, did you guys did you guys watch Zach and Miri make a porno? That's one of my. No. That's such a good movie. I haven't watched it in a while. Oh my god, I, I so recommend it. It's okay. like not like you thought it would be. Obviously, it's 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 good. All right. Good. Did you guys okay. know there's also a book called The Book of Dust? Oh, which is Philip Pullman. I don't know if it's a prequel to these. I don't know if it's a sequel to these. I don't know if it's unrelated to these. But I own it. I just haven't read it. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, so casting. That would be because we're done, right? We're done. Let's Yay, do some casting. casting. Let's do it. I downloaded a Christmas template for y'all. <gasps> oh my gosh, I'm so excited. That's how much I needed. Well, I was like, none of these have snowflakes. I need snowflakes. Is this PowerPoint? What are you using? I was. It's on the drive. Yeah, I, I'm looking at it, but what I'm asking, what you use? Oh, to it's make on. This. It's on PowerPoint. Okay. Because I don't have PowerPoint, but it lets me view yours all the time. Yeah, it comes up on Google Docs. That's why. Nice. Nice. All right. So I usually put the most important characters at the bottom, but I put them at the top this time for some reason. But we can go in what order. It doesn't bother me none. All right. Dilly, why don't you start us off? Okay. So I've got Lyra and Pantalaman. Pantalaman. Okay, so Lyra, I I put them on the same because I felt like they couldn't be separated. It would have been a disservice. So on the same slide. Uh, I have Scarlett Estevez, who is in Lucifer and Daddy's Home 1 and 2. She plays. uh, Oh, Daddy's. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Miles Brown for Pantalaman. And he is the voice of Little Man in the Arcane. And he's in Blackish. Now he plays. So he's the younger echo not the not older. the older echo yeah not echo it's i think not five in that whole film anyway yeah. he, 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 show okay cool those are my two i did him for the voice of pantalaman yes okay um i will go next let me find mine my, my lyra so did you guys ever watch the movie madeline Yes. Did you ever watch the show, Madeline? There was a show, then they made a movie, and I loved the movie. Mm-hmm. I got it for my sixth yeah. birthday, and I love it. So I chose Hattie Jones as Lyra because in the movie, she is just so precocious and oh, yeah. does such a good job, and I feel like she would make a great <laughs> Lyra. So I posted a picture of her from the movie, Madeline, which is like what I know her from, and then one of where she's probably a little older, probably not 11, like Lyra, but at least give you an idea of what she would you know, look like. Nice. Oh, and oh, Pan. We already did Pan. I did Jacob Tremblay, who okay. plays. We've we've casted him before. He plays in um, Good Boys and Doctor Sleep. He's the baseball player. Oh. And Before oh. I Awake, the nice. scary movie on Netflix. 
Okay, so. so I will say that I chose one of your all's pans because I didn't. I liked when I was listening to the audiobook. I couldn't help it. I was like, I like this pan. Okay, so you it chose the like, audiobook as pan. That audiobook person. pan. What do you like? And my Lyra was Millie Bobby Brown. <gasps> no. Oh, I love her so I, much. Right? I figured since she's already got the accent and, you know, I think she's very versatile and I think she could play like a, a you know. Lyra. She's so wonderful. I thought she, she would be a for good sure, one. Okay. Then we've got Lord Asriel's next on mine. Okay. I think Stanley Weber, who is an outlander in the uh, Borgia. He's a French actor, but funny funny thing is that he actually gets spoilers for season two of Outlander because that's where he shows up. He gets poisoned. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, nice. Isn't that isn't that ironic? But I like Sorry. him because he seems like the kind of person that could be. Well, first of all, he already played a titled person in in Outlander, so he's got that sort of regal esque bearing or whatever. And he's also a jackass in that show, so I think he's a good pick. Um, so my Lord Asriel is Hugh Jackman. Nice. That's actually. I feel like that's he just good. has a good commanding presence, and he Lord Asriel has a commanding presence. Indeed. Uh, I chose James McAvoy. Um, I love him. I love him That's so much. That's who he is much. in the show. That's who it is in the I show. I know. See, I didn't know that until, really? like, yeah, I had no clue that he was him in the show, and I was looking at people, and I, so I was like, James McAvoy, because I was thinking of all the, you know, like, European actors who have, like, different uh, accents and everything, and I thought, man, I love him, and I don't know if I've seen him play, like, a truly, like, a, like a bad, you know, someone that I didn't exactly like maybe mm-hmm. um i'm trying, I'm trying to think to, oh split of course he was split. like he's, he was definitely many different so i figure he could do a good job i think he's very versatile as well obviously i wouldn't pick them if i didn't think they were versatile mm-hmm. um in ways but yeah i thought he would be a good one so i didn't know about the show but good job on sarah good, good job sarah thanks thanks everybody all right then we've got the master who, okay, so can I tell you, I was looking back through my, I had started casting on my phone, and then when I went, I forgot that I had started a list. So my original The Master was Michael Caine, I just found out during the podcast, but I casted Paul Bettany, who is, uh, he's Jarvis, and then he becomes Vision. I and, love Jarvis. Yes. And nice. he's in A Knight's Tale, The Da Vinci Code. The man has range, is all I'm trying to say. Oh, he, he plays also, in one of Adam's favorite uh, stock movies, Jesus. He plays in uh, Legion, too. Oh, I love. He was Gabriel or Michael. Legion. I can't. No, he was. He was. I don't remember which angel he was, but he was one of them. He was a good one. I uh, forgot to cast the master, so I'm going to say Sir Michael Caine. Nice. Here we are. <laughs> oh, look at that! I oh, chose uh, like Sir Patrick <laughs> as the master. <laughs> Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah, Sir Patrick Stewart and Peppa. I put him in there because I just feel like because of James McAvoy. Because James McAvoy is Xavier. I love you so much. That's because I. I thought it was funny. It was. I enjoyed it immensely. Like he seems sweet too, and plus he kissed uh, Gandalf. So I mean, whatever. He's a good fella. I like it. Isn't. Isn't Ian McKellen also Sir Ian McKellen? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> a lot of knighted people in this podcast. It's uh, it's apparently not hard to get knighted. Um, oh, we need to get knighted then. I think we're doing a good job. Yes. Queen of England, come at me. 
Let's go. <laughs> Come if she's right. not dead before she re- hears this at any point, no offense, then knighted. And if she is, God rest her soul. Yes. I think our next sex tape is going to be called It's Not Hard to Get Knighted, but I'm hard, so let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) You ready? Okay, sweet. So who's next? Yeah, Mrs. Coulter. I just love Ana de Armas. I love her so much. Like, I I just love her immensely. So I picked her. Oh, I love her Knives Out. Yeah, she's in Knives Out, No Time to Die, Blade Runner 2049, Exposed, Yesterday, Dune, Dune. and Corazon. Knives Out is an exquisite movie, and she does a great job in it. She she has range, because you see her in No Time to Die, right? And she's like this, you know, svelte, suave, gorgeous woman. And then you see her in, and she's kind of frumpy house nurse like oh girl can get it so anyway <laughs> that's why there's three pictures of her on the powerpoint because <laughs> i love her i love that all right um yeah i did nicole kidman come at me she's freaking amazing it's the she whole is. reason i love the golden compass was her she was walking great. around being so charismatic and just being she her is. beautiful self i almost and cast, I cast nicole kidman. kidman all the time so I whatever it's about so much I um, also was very much on the thought of Nicole Kidman. And then I was looking and I'm like, you know what? Wheel of Time, Rosamund Pike. I love Rosamund Pike. Rosamund, Rosamund Pike. Rosamund, she is wonderful. And in Wheel of Time, she has that dark hair. Mm. Uh, Because I don't know if you guys do, obviously, like. She's usually blonde. I think she's naturally blonde. Yeah, she she is naturally blonde, I believe. Um, Well, she's beautiful either way, but yes. And I think in the book, I'm not sure if Mrs. Coulter is supposed to have dark hair, right? Dark hair, yeah. Or, but see, then I remember they were talking to Pullman, and Pullman's like, didn't even think about it. He's like, she should totally be blonde. He's like, yeah, she's a blonde. He's like, that's it. So I was like, okay, Rosamund Pike it is. I love her, Will of Time. Love her, Will of Time. Think she's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Love her, Warder in Will of Time. He's dead sexy, but that has nothing to do with this. Anyway, so that's her. Mrs. Coulter. And, you know, she has a good range, too. She can play, like, we've seen her play really sweet people. She's and then amazing. You've and seen then, her play some. Is it I Care a Lot? Isn't she? She's an yeah, I Care a Lot. Or yeah. something like that. Uh-huh. Right. So. On to the next one. So, Ma Costas. Okay, I will say this about the gyps- Egyptians. I tried to stick with um, gypsies or, like, Romani actors. So, some of these, one of this person is not going to make sense, but I like him anyway. Um, so for Ma, I picked Fran Dresser. Now I I listened to a Dresser. I listened to a interview with her recently just to make sure that she didn't have that very very nasally sound because I was like that would ruin it. But and yeah, but she, she doesn't. doesn't. No, that's awesome. I mean, she kind of awesome. does certain words, but for the most part, no. So I thought she'd be a good Ma. She's in the nanny. I love that. Oh, I do love uh, the nanny. Nanny fine. And by love the nanny, I mean, I've never the watched it. The nanny is amazing. You should. It's amazing. <laughs> I've heard good things. Really? You've never watched the nanny? You didn't like watching it on late night TV? Mr. Sheffield. That's the one I was like, mm, no, skipping away. <laughs> it was so good. I've heard good things. I need to. I need the to, granny okay. was my, she was my soul. Great grandma. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. She I was everything. The title was called The Nanny. Yeah, no. She's talking about friends. The nanny with a granny. The nanny with a granny. Okay, um, so 
for Ma Costa, I chose Helen Helen Bo Bo. I can't say it. Yeah, Bonham, her. Bottom Carter. Thank you, Helena Bottom yes. Carter. Like yes, her. I love her. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. She definitely gives me. Gypsy I, I like that. I like do. that. I like those ladies. It was her Stevie Nicks. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! Did I didn't even think about that. I'm done. I'm done. Stevie Nicks. <laughs> it has Sarah to be Stevie Nicks. Oh god! Pecola. So I chose um, for Ma Costa and John Fa. I chose these two people who played in Wheel of Time, and they are travelers. They are tinkerers, and if you, I don't know if you see the GIF of them. Do you see them? Do you see that? Do you see the GIF? GIF. I have not seen. Give me one second. Let me get to. And they are not like super well. I think she plays an Outlander, but I've not watched Outlander yet. I'll tell um, you. Her name is Maria something something. Oh, oh, oh. Maria Doyle Kennedy. Yes, she is an Outlander. She's uh, Jamie's mom, uh, not mom, his aunt. And she's also in the Tudors. She plays, um, I'm pretty yep. sure she plays the first, uh, the first wife of Henry, whose name is Catherine of Aragon. Yeah. Yep, so that is her. And then the guy next to her, his name is Narimna Samra. Definitely mispronouncing that. But I really enjoyed his ethnicity and just what he brought to the character in Will of Time. And I thought he could, him and her together, worked really well. And nice. I, when I was thinking of Egyptians, I was like, there. And I'm like, that's it. I'm here for it. So you already went with John Fa. I'm going to go ahead and... Wait, no. You already, yeah, you already said your ma. Sorry. Uh, so, John, I picked Attila Mokos or Mokos or Makos. I don't know how you say his last name, but he is in the movie Gypsy and Apricot Island. I've never seen any of these movies, but The Interpreter, The House, uh, A Step into the Dark. He's in those, but he is he is Romany. So I picked or like Gypsy. So I picked him. There you go. Like it. Um, so for my John Faw, I did Chadwick Bosman, oh. rest in peace, oh. just because he's such a good a leader in the Black one, Panther. For real, though. He, oh my god, amazing, amazing. So, he's I feel like he just Wonderful. would be a really good leader of the Egyptians. Yeah, like ten. Right. Barter Coram? I could not pick this person. I just had a hard time, so I will go with whoever you ladies picked. Cool. <laughs> I said Bob Hoskins, who is the detective in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but he has um, roots in, you know, that stuff. So, and Mona Lisa, and Hook, he's in Snow White, and, he does like Hook. and yep, yep, yep. Made in Manhattan. So, I like him. I've seen him in stuff, and he looks, he's, he, he acts pretty well, so. I love it. I did Robbie Coltrane, who is Hagrid. Oh. There you go. There you go. Solid. I just wanted this big, sweet papa bear. I like it. Then he should have kept. He would bang a witch. He would bang a witch. He would have a baby with a witch. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, he likes giantesses, but yes. <laughs> okay, so we got Yorick Bernison. Oh, I picked Liam Neeson. Perfect That's perfect. Without That's knowing before you said it. Without knowing that that there was this whole uh, religion connection, because I really liked him as he voiced. Aslan. <laughs> I love him. I was so really much. close to picking him as well. I've seen he's your really... pick and your pick is good. But I I like I like Liam Neeson. I like his he's voice. He's a good one. He's really good. No, that's a super perfect decision. I went with James Earl Jones because he voiced Mufasa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just got this lion theme going on here. And he is uh Darth Vader, right? Yeah. He is also Darth Vader. Luke. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love James Earl Jones. He's great. He is wonderful. I chose Sam Elliott. Who's and I don't know if he, yes, if you, yeah. if you know, his voice 10 out of 10, wonderful. And he yes, also so plays he in the first movie, like the Golden Compass movie, as the aeronaut, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We're going to double cast him because I didn't cast the aeronaut. So just pretend that people okay. won't know that he's the voice and the aeronaut. Okay. Sounds yeah, good. Yeah, I didn't is, know that. Uh, uh, Lynn manuel Miranda. So you ready for that? I'm excited. Good job. Makes I think that's right. who's next, right? But you have to give us your... Did you give us your York? No, you didn't. Oh, my God. The, the Miranda guy, I was also looking who's, at him. Wait, Heather, who's your York? James Earl Jones. Oh, you already said that. Ignore me. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Sure. You're doing Le- great. So, Lee Scoresby, the aeronaut. You said Lin-Manuel. I have David Tennant, just because... <laughs> Good. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Absolutely. He's got him. range. I like him a lot. He's in Doctor Who. He's a very I serious man. I love him and Jessica Jones. Yes, he, he is. He was in- just such a good, He's also character. a demon in Good Omens, and he's a fantastic he detective in Broadchurch. Oh, if you guys haven't seen Broadchurch, you should. It is fantastic. I have not seen it. I want to check watch it out. It. I have seen Good Omens, and I like And he's in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Marty Crouch Jr. Yes, he is. That's right. a good one. Let me remember. Oh, yeah. So I did Jake Perry, who plays as the main lead, the lead male in Sweet Home Alabama. Yes. For- oh, I think he's a good yeah. country guy who could save a child, you know? I totally forgot that he was supposed to be Southern. I just liked him a lot. For- well, see, <laughs> and like- that's why I was so Steven. mad that I had a hard time with that as well. So I- that's why I chose Sam Elliott because I was looking mm-hmm. at uh, Star is Born. And I was yeah. looking at like an interview with him in that and just some of his southern accent. And he was talking about how, like, when he first tried to get into showbiz, they were like, Listen, you got to lose that accent. You have an amazing voice. Like, you're going to do great things with that voice, but you can't sound southern. And he's like, Okay. Uh, so, well, if I yeah, have to pick a southern you, person, yeah. then I'd probably go with Matthew McConaughey just because. Oh, oh, like, all right. But the whole right, time I'm sitting right. here thinking, <laughs> I could see him. He's from Texas, I'm too, like, isn't he? We have so many know. people who who could play Southern people in in this in this, and I'm having a hard time. Like, how do I have a hard? You could just go yeah. To Texas you and don't you live you below what would have been the Mason Dixon line, right? Maybe yeah. Yes. Or Kentucky mm-hmm. was a border state anyway. Oh, if we're picking a Texan that is from Texas, I'm gonna say Kelly Clarkson. I like it. Oh, uh, you got it. She's that. She's there. She's doing. She's there. Lynn Manuel Miranda sings. Kelly Clarkson sings. I can see. She's my lady Lee. I love her. She's my lady Lee. Yeah. All right. Uh, Serafina Pe- Pecola. <gasps> well done. She does play in the witches. Okay. Sorry, you hadn't even said the name. I gotta You're good. It. No, I love it. I love that she loved her so much that you guessed. It's it's Anne Hathaway. I love her. I think she would I be a really good one. She was in the witches, but I, I love her. I watched her recently. Yeah, I watched the witches recently. So I have not watched the witches yet. And I, have I haven't either. To watch. I'm interested to see it. I chose uh, a Daisy Ridley. I love Daisy. <laughs> She's also super good. I like Daisy. I know. I thought time. she would be. She's really pretty, and I think you know she can pull off like some witchy vibes if she wanted. Like get her, you know, get her in there. I think she could do it. Banging. Um, I did Emma Watson. I love Emma. She's I love already, all these picks. Uh, you already guys did a great she did job. Great, so. We all did. We all nailed Serafina Pecola. Oh yeah, I'm here for it. Ten out of ten. All right, last one. I don't know if you guys casted anybody else, but I casted Roger. Yes, I casted Roger. I okay. didn't, so I'm just going to pretend I chose one of your guys' Roger. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, I, have... I should have cast him, but I also had a hard time. It's okay. I did too. 
But I liked uh, Lonnie Chavez, or I'm probably saying his name wrong, but he's in The Waterman, This Is Us, and The Boy Behind the Door. Yeah, he's he's the adopted triplet, right? And This Is Us. Sure. I don't know. I haven't seen that show. <laughs> I think that's but him. I, liked him. I think that's him. I haven't watched it in a long time. I came time. across him, but I did. Yeah, he's really cute and sweet, mm-hmm. and he'd be a good Roger. Um, I casted Hear Me Out, Younger Rupert Grant. Okay. <laughs> Oh, we make the rules. We make the rules. He's a good Roger. And it's him with his little red hair. Oh, so cute. I don't know, though. Might. uh, might I also was going through people like lists. You know how we do the they do the listicles of people under 20 that's in Hollywood or whatever. Yes. I grabbed somebody that I'm probably going to end up casting at some point because I just like the way he looks. So. Cast him later. Can I low key say something? So yes. you, see, you can high key say it. Okay, I want to high key say it. You see Heather's picture of Robbie Coltrane. He looks like Mr. Spurlock. <laughs> Wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a second. I did not even see it. I swear. I don't know why I thought it. Like I haven't thought. Of, no offense. I haven't thought of that man in quite a while. But you know, that oh. made me think of it. Do you see? Oh, Do you, you see are not picture? wrong. You no? are not wrong. Oh, no. uh, Mr. Spurlock, is he still or... alive? Yeah, I th- I don't know. Yeah, I haven't heard who Mr. Staggs? That's the one who oh, did he pass away? I thought he did. Oh, did he? Uh, or he had oh. cancer? He, he had passed... cancer. I don't think he passed. Oh, I'm glad. As far as I know. Uh, oh no, God, but, <laughs> we could. <laughs> but Mr. Crumb did pass away, right? Mr. Yes, Crumb yeah, did pass away. Like complications from pneumonia and it broke my heart. Oh, yeah, yeah same. He wept profusely when we graduated. Like, you he a wonderful person. cried when we went to go pick up our diplomas because he had them. Do you guys remember yeah. that? I have a picture oh, yeah. of him that my He's aunt, an angel. My I got to work with him one summer and uh, at the he school did. when I was doing summer programs and he made a derby pie for me. He was wonderful. Oh. He was wonderful. I just love him. I miss him. I didn't miss him so much. And it's awful because he was like posting online that day and everything. And it just, it makes you really like, I don't know. Things can happen just in the blink of an eye. It's really sad. Oh my gosh. And then his partner posted on Facebook. (gasps) I know. That was heartbreaking. I like cried reading that. I was really saddened. He was obviously super grieving and just heartbroken. And that broke my heart even more. Because I'm like, oh, you know, everyone deserves to be happy. And just to have your person taken away. Like, I love little Adam Brewer, and I get onto him every day and give him shit, but, oh, he's my little person. Like, I don't know what to do. I tell him all the time, like, even if we end up, like, divorced, I don't know, whatever, like, you're still my little person, and, like, if something happened to you, I'd be like, damn it, Adam Brewer. Like, I can't, you know, you have yeah. to be there somehow, some way, you know? I swear. Um, unrelated, person. I also casted Yofer. Oh, yes. I saw as, who you casted. Yeah. It was Jeremy Irons who played um, Scar in... Didn't he play yeah, Hades too, or is that somebody else? No, that's the that's the Woods guy, James Woods. Oh, James Woods, you're right. Good job. No problem. James Woods was Hades. Yeah, he's solid. All I right, watch guys. a lot of Family Guy. We're pushing two hours, so yeah, let's let's uh, let's let our listeners go. Her. Had fun, guys. Thanks for the book. Me too. I like this book a lot. Thanks for the. Well, I'm glad you guys like it. I've been trying to read it for years, so I'm very excited. That this I is the time to do it when you when we make you do it. Yes. Yes, I enjoy when people make me do things. You know, we've read every single book. Like, you remember the first time we did this, we were like, "Oh, y'all didn't get through Jane Eyre." 
I stayed up oh late God. finishing it because I, I thought you guys away. would finish it. And then you guys are like, I got 100 pages in and stopped. Listen, <laughs> I did I watch the movie, watch. though, and I freaking love the movies. To be fair, I we did watch read it in day. high school, but I just think it's funny. How I still like, I think if I went back now, it might be better. Even though it's a couple, I say that. Let me know. Girl, it was on. 2019 that we did it. Uh, <laughs> it not long. You know, two years. I've grown so much wisdom. Okay. All right, Sarah, outro us. You got it, baby cakes. Let's see here. All right, fellow readers, it's time to say goodbye. Remember to check our Instagram for upcoming reads and the casting list. A big thanks to all of our wonderful listeners, our co-host Heather for writing our theme song, Dylan who created our logo, Cynthia who creates our episode art, and our respective life partners for their unwavering support. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us next time when we turn the page. Mm